Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into episode 250 of Living Off the Land. Uh, I'm Dan here with a virtual Stephen. Uh, we will get into that in a second. Uh, but you are listening to a monumental episode. It is not the way we wanted to do it, but sometimes life doesn't allow you to do things the way you want to do it. So uh, I am actually here in the studio by myself. Steve is back home in North Ridgeville because I am still getting over COVID. Uh, tested positive for COVID last week, last Wednesday, actually. That is why we did not do the 250th episode last week. Um, and I just tested negative for the first time this morning. And uh, we just didn't want to take the chance uh, with Steve uh, having uh, having little one Scarlet uh, at home and just in general. I mean, I, I just tested negative, so we just didn't want to take the chance. And also, we didn't want to uh, we didn't want to miss another week uh, of the show. So we're here. We're going to do the best we can for episode 250. Lot going on. St. Patty's Day is this weekend. I went to Columbus uh, a week and a half ago. It's probably where I got COVID, but that's neither here nor there. <clears throat> As you could probably tell, my voice is not great. So uh, I'm going to let Stephen do a bulk of the talking on this episode. Uh, but like I said, we've got a lot into to get into. You did not hear the crack of the beer. I didn't really want to get into drinking a beer while I'm still, I'm not sick anymore. It's just, it's, you know, you can, you can tell I'm not a hundred percent there. Uh, but I will say because it's St. Patty's day week, uh, I did want to highlight a beer that I did drink when I was in Columbus at a Columbus brewery. Uh, called Land Grant, which I'm sure most of you who are listening know of Land Grant Brewing in Columbus. Uh, I had their Make Mine Irish uh, Irish uh, Stout, I guess you could call it. Um, but uh, had that. Very, very good. Um, and I just wanted to highlight that. If you're looking for a cool Irish beer, Irish Stout, anything like that, coffee stout, anything, Irish coffee stout, whatever it is you're looking for. Uh, I suggest that. It's called Make Mine Irish from Land Grant Brewing Company. So that, I guess that will kind of sort of uh, serve as the pseudo beer of the week. <coughs> uh, I believe you can get that up here, but uh, if not, if you're in the Columbus area, definitely go do that and uh, stop by Land Grant. Really cool spot. Uh, it's a really cool place, probably in the summertime. They have a lot of outdoor areas, um, like patio-ish type areas, fire pits. Uh, there's a stage for live music there outside. Um, it's a really cool place over there, Land Grant. Not very far from the Arena District down in Columbus. Um, so we popped over there before we headed over to the crew game. Uh, not this past Saturday, obviously, but the Saturday before for uh, Cruzmas. So that was a lot of fun. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, let's move on to uh, Better Know Neighborhood. Yes. Actually, you know what, Steve? I talked about how I have COVID or had COVID and all that. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing just fine. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was not fine. I had some 
general flu-like bug. February was a very difficult month yeah. uh, for the whole family health-wise. In fact, uh, little Scarlett, she's had strep, conjunctivitis, and diarrhea all within the last like month. Oh so gosh, it's been really. I mean, this this is what happens. Poor little when you girl, man. When you haven't been out of the house for a year, you just have no immunity, and you pick up every little bug that there is. And yeah. It's, and Aren, it seems like she doesn't fight off illness as easily as I do and things impact her a lot more. So, you know, she's just getting over the, she got conjunctivitis as well. I I have never had pink eye in my life, which is, I'm kind of lucky with that, I guess. But, you know, we've been through the ringer, but thankfully we're, I mean, aside from Scarlett having to go home from daycare earlier today, uh, she's pretty much good at this point too. So we're just, Gonna hope that things get better from here. Uh, warmer weather is coming. That should be a good thing. Uh, Gosh, you would hope. You would, you would hope so. It feels like life. it feels like we get, like winter just hit us like in the last like two weeks. Uh, yeah, this past week has been, aside from Christmas week, maybe the coldest week we've had all winter, and that's honestly not that unusual. First half of March is usually pretty nippy in this these parts, even if we've had a milder January and February. History shows, yeah, you know, I can't. T- my brother's birthday, Matthew, uh, actually had his birthday a week ago, Saturday, the same day you were in Columbus, and I can swear that my birthday, which is January nineteenth, it's usually warmer than it is on March fourth. So all I know is, you know this all too well. What I always say, I say I better be golfing by my birthday. Yeah, April thirteenth, I better be able to golf. Up. Uh, it's just that's right around the Masters, is not. That's right, a tradition unlike any other. We will be getting into some uh, golf and Masters coverage in the in the uh, coming weeks once we get past St. Patty's Day here, uh, as we are getting closer to uh, the greatest Sunday event in sports. Uh, this side of the Super Bowl. Yeah, we definitely will be getting into that. And did you did by just by chance did you happen to see what Scotty Scheffler's uh, venue for the master's dinner is i i briefly saw it we can get into it a little bit later or we can get into it now uh was it uh steak burger sliders uh like family style sides uh what else was on there uh, you pretty much nailed it uh, i yeah. mean he is he is having a blackened redfish uh, oh that's right the to the steak for anybody that doesn't want red meat but yep. uh and then the dessert was uh I think pan-style chocolate chip cookies and vanilla ice cream. Oh, man, you had me right at that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, he's a he's a pretty simple guy, so that's a pretty simple that's a pretty simple menu, but I it, you you wouldn't find me uh wanting to top it with anything else. That that sounds pretty freaking good. Mm. Definitely taking the risk uh bringing up this all this talk about food when I have, it's like 7 20 PM and I haven't even had dinner yet, but uh, I haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> my stomach's feeling a certain kind of way, but yeah. let's shift it over here. So for better known neighbors for tonight, we are going to talk not about one specific area, but we're going to talk <coughs> about Cleveland. We're going to talk about St. Patrick's day and nice. all the happenings that are going to be going on in the city. And ladies and gentlemen, St. Patrick's day is on a Friday this year. Yeah. You know, it's people are going to be turned up. I think it's going to be like a three day event. You're going to have people going from probably Thursday night all the way through Saturday. And it, it's, it kind of hits its you know apex on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big event, of course, is the St. Patrick's Day Parade itself. 
which starts at the corner of Superior and East 18th Street at 1 o'clock on Friday afternoon. This is a tradition that goes back to 1842, ladies and gentlemen. It was interrupted only by COVID in 2020 and maybe for a couple other events like maybe World War One and Two. I'm not sure, but this has been going on for an extremely long time. Encompasses floats, bands, clubs, kids' units, and animals marching to this year's theme of Salute to Irish American Athletes, interestingly enough. So it's actually a sports tie-in this year. Uh, that goes, again, down Superior Avenue, straight down Superior from East 18th Street to Public Square, which is where it uh, kind of wraps around the square in its conclusion. There's a whole bunch of other uh, events going on across the area, local bars and restaurants uh, doing their own thing. Uh, I'll start actually down in Akron at Barley House in Akron at 222 South Main Street from 8 a.m. in the morning. They are doing kegs and eggs and music by DJ Sparky B. Love it. Of of former Rockin' at the Rec fame here in in Strongsville. Wait, really? Well, back in the day, Sparky B was was doing Rockin' at the Rec. Sparks. All right. Oddly enough, he's uh, moved on to bigger and better things now. Bar Louie in Westlake at Crocker Park in Legacy Village is doing green beer and other drink specials as well as the limited time return of the Irish Old Fashioned at both Northeast Ohio locations. That's 9 Main Street in Westlake and 24337 Cedar Road in Lyndhurst. Best Restaurant, which is on East 9th Street in Cleveland. At the Kimpton Showfield Hotel, they're doing the special St. Patrick's Day menu, live music throughout the day. Selections including their Famous corned beef, including sauerkraut balls and fish sammy and corned beef sammy. Blue Monkey in North Royalton, 5540 Wallings Road in North Royalton. Here you're getting complimentary pancakes with beer. That, I mean, gosh, with beer purchase, excuse me. So you get you have to pay for the alcohol, but you get complimentary pancakes. And Pink Piggy BBQ will be serving corned beef from noon onward. Das Schnitzel Express Food Truck will also be on scene, which is... Again, we talk about the Schnitzel, Schnitzel Brewery and Das Schnitzel House in Parma. They will have their food truck on scene at Blue Monkey in North Royalton. Brew Kettle in Strongsville has drink specials and special menu all day featuring their own take on corned beef, Sammy. Cold Blue Steel performs from 3 to 5, and Bald Pipers perform at 5 o'clock. So you've got a whole bunch of happy hour into the evening activity. Uh, sort of uh, activity going on there at Brew Kettle. Uh, four locations, actually. Uh, 300 Church Street in Amherst, 11 Adelbury Boulevard in Hudson, 7850 Menor Avenue in Menor, and, of course, the original location, 8377 Pearl Road in Strongsville. And that is Brew Kettle. And then there's just a whole bunch of others as you go through. Burntwood Tavern is doing a whole bunch of stuff. They have many locations uh, Collision Bend Brewing Company down in the east bank of the flats. Beer, breakfast, bagpipes, BBB. Nice. Followed by Crowley and Sofranco from 10.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. And themed cocktails and one goat Irish ale will be served all day and all night. That's going to be a party, no doubt about it. Also, the uh, band called the New Barley Chord will be performing from 3 to 7 all through happy hour at Collision Bend. Duck Donuts, this is an interesting one, through March 19th, so starting today and going all the way through March 19th, get a special Lucky Duck assortment featuring Magic Charms, Green Icing, and more with any donut purchase. 
These guys are at in Orange at 200 Park Avenue at Pinecrest, and then also in Fairlawn at 3265 West Market Street across from Summit Mall. So I've never even heard of Duck Donuts, but that sounds kind of interesting. Huh. And then on top of that, you have your traditional of traditional Irish pubs, namely Flannery's Pub downtown, which yep. I'll mention first. Uh, for many Clevelanders over the last 26 years, St. Patrick's Day has started at Flannery's Pub at East 4th Street. And for some, it has ended there as well. Uh, their whole food menu, traditional Irish fare, live music beginning at 1 p.m. and going all the way into the night. Uh, they are actually they have a small cover charge there, but I'm sure it's worth it. That's, of course, right at 3323 Prospect Avenue. And then who can forget about P.J. McIntyre's? That's the spot. I, uh, That's the spot I've been camp. waiting for you to talk about. That might be the, the best Irish <laughs> pub in the city. And that is going to be – I don't even have any of the specific details, but they're going to be serving – probably, I'm guessing they're going to be doing everything, kegs and eggs, yep. corn, uh, the, the corned beef, and all sorts of live entertainment throughout the day at P.J. McIntyre's as well. So Mary's Lane will be playing there. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that's worth seeing. Oh, yeah. So those are just some of the various places that we uh, that you could hit um, – just very quickly, I'll off a few more. Galaxy Banquet Center has an event that's in Wadsworth. Uh, Gandalf's Pub in Valley City. If you're out that way, that might be a place to check out. Goldhorn Brewery. This is the one that I believe just recently opened on East 55th Street in the St. Clair Superior neighborhood. Uh, that's uh, been open for – that was open before the pandemic. Oh, I must be thinking of a different one. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. that's – We okay. did, a, uh, did an episode there uh, before the pandemic. No kidding. The Harp, which is yep. uh, in in the Detroit Shoreway, yep. that's a place to check out as well. Um, even though they're German, Hopper House Cleveland, they're going to be doing their own celebration as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, that You know, I, it'd be interesting to see how a, a German place celebrates St. Patrick's Day. Like, are they still doing the shot skis and all the other stuff they're doing? Like, will they do shot skis with Irish ale? I mean, I guess they could. Oh, uh, yeah. Irish whiskey, whatever, stuff like that, yeah. Absolutely. So it's it's just going to be a fun day. I, You know, the weather is actually calling for rain on Friday. I hope that's yeah. not the I heard that, 50s in rain. You know, the, it looks like it's going to be warm enough, but, you know, the really, truly memorable ones are like when it's sort of warmish and it's dry. Yep. You know, we're kind of in that time of the year now where it's like, if it's dry, it's okay. Like people still wear shorts if it's in the forties or fifties that we just will. That's the way we're wired in Cleveland. Yep. But uh I just hope it doesn't rain. That that would really stink. But yeah. uh just cross your fingers on that. I'm sure it's gonna be a good time. If you're gonna be partaking in any activities in any of these places, please be responsible, stay safe. Cleveland police are giving directives and basically, you know, do, going to be doing crowd control and everything. And, and the various police departments are going to be on high alert, of course, for any impropriety. So just make good decisions, stay safe, celebrate responsibly. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, Cleveland doesn't really get a huge amount of pub for St. Paddy's Day. Obviously, you know, uh, Boston is huge for St. Paddy's Day. Chicago might be the biggest uh might be the biggest um, party going on in the U.S. for St. Paddy's Day. Um, obviously, New York, all the big cities. But Chicago seems to get uh, most of the run when it comes to uh, partying for St. Paddy's Day. They, 
you know, they dye the river green and they do all that sort of stuff. And it, it's almost like a all the publicity. Yeah, it's almost like a week full of partying for Chicago for St. Patty's Day. Uh, they actually started last weekend. Um, but yeah, Cleveland has a ton going on for St. Patty's Day. Uh, it's a great Irish community. Um, like we were talking about with the weather, if the weather is anywhere remotely nice, uh, it's usually an absolute mob scene downtown for the parade, um, and, and all that. So, uh, if you're going out for St. Patty's day, I haven't decided yet whether I am or not because of this stupid COVID and, uh, all yeah, that. I hope we can be feeling even better two days from now. I, you know, we'll I, think see. You, I think you'll get the, the want to do it, but we'll, we'll see. see. Uh, but yeah, so um, every, be I'm safe. If ever, I can tell you that. What's that? I'm definitely driving the lift car on Friday. That's for darn sure. Oh yeah, that's this guy. It's, it's going to be a huge day for you. Top ten, if not top five <laughs> day of the year for rideshare driving. It's pretty much. I'm thinking from early afternoon all the way till bar closing time. It's it's going to be a banger. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. Uh, but if you are going out on St. Patty's Day, be safe, have fun, and, uh, yeah, celebrate St. Patrick, who is actually Italian. So, anyway, uh, that is uh, our Better Know a Neighborhood segment this week. So you can put that on the board, even though we didn't talk about a specific neighborhood. We just kind of went all over the place. But I like that. You especially put it on the board. You can wham it with the right hand. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot that we do we wham it instead of instead of putting it on the board. No, I mean it makes sense. My bad. So that is better known neighborhood St. Patty's Day edition. Uh that makes me feel good. And you know what else makes me feel good right now? What's that? The the fact that the Cavaliers just played four games on the road in the last week and they won three of them. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Took care of business for the most part. They kinda they the one game they lost they kinda threw away, but um, they did let that one get away. Listen, they were up as much mal- as much maligned as as we've talked about how this team has been on the road. Anytime you play four straight games on the road and you win three of them, you're gonna take it. I don't care who the opponent is. The Hornets stink. The Heat are meh, but the Hornets stink. But we did what we were supposed to do. Uh, we took it to the took it to the Hornets. Um, the last two games, specifically yesterday. Uh, we won that game pretty much wire to wire. Uh, the first game, we actually had to come from behind. We were down by like 15 in the third quarter of that game, but uh, was able to come from behind just because, again, uh, they stink. So um, Cavs are now 44 and 27 on the season. Uh, 11 games left? Yep. Yeah. It would only go six and five the rest of the way <clears> to get the wins. Yeah. So. Uh, we actually uh, we play Philadelphia tonight. Uh, at home, it starts at 7:30. Uh, actually, it's just big about game. to start now uh, on ESPN. So, yeah, big game for sure. I don't know the lineups. I don't know who all is playing. I know last night uh, Jared Allen and Donovan Mitchell were held out. Um, Donovan Mitchell, I think, I think should play tonight. I think he was more of a uh, uh, maintenance uh, type. Um, uh, DNP last night. Jared Allen is still um, dealing with that eye issue. He got, you know, I tell you what, the Cavs have got to have to have set an NBA record this year for guys who have gotten hit in the face. Darius Garland's yeah. gotten 
Darius Garland has gotten hit in the face probably about 20 times this year during games. And then Jared Allen uh, gets just clawed. I mean, it was accidental, but just gets clawed in the face by, uh, I can't remember who it was. Was it, was it Bam out of bio? I can't remember. It was in Miami, I think. Or was it? Yeah, I'm pretty I sure it was. I think it was Bam out of bio. Yeah. He didn't do it on purpose, obviously, but um, <laughs> but just raked him in the eye. And he's, thankfully, thankfully there's no structural damage to his eye. So uh, he's just been out the last couple games with an eye contusion. Um, but hopefully we're getting Jared Allen back soon. I don't know if he's playing tonight or not. But, uh, yeah, the Cavs have been playing well. And uh, that's what you like to see. They're taking care of business. This would be a great game to get tonight uh, against the 76ers because we still have an outside shot of catching them for the three seed. We do. It, it, there would be no path if they don't win tonight. <clears throat> yeah. If they win this game, they'd only be two games behind. Now, they'd be a little further back in the loss column because the 76ers haven't played as many games yet. But yeah. Um, it would at least force the 76ers to win those games in hand uh, coming down the stretch to stay in front of them. So, yeah. yeah. So it's to be a huge game. If the Cavs can get it tonight. Uh, they've, uh, they've been playing well, uh, specifically Evan Mobley has been playing really well and, uh, it's really cool to see him step up, especially with Allen been out. Uh, he's taken more of a, of a, uh, of a role on the offense. Um, it used to be where he would get the ball and he would just immediately look to pass. Now he's he's trying to take guys on in the post, um, which just adds another element to his game and the offense. Um, how are you feeling about the Cavs right now? You know, I think the Cavs are doing what they have to do. I, again, when it was a weird week because they, they played two games in one city back-to-back and then two games in the next city back-to-back. I think they're going to do and- that again, too, in Brooklyn. There's two more, yeah. The, the Brooklyn and then Orlando toward the end. And I don't know if this is like the NBA just trying to save teams on airline miles or what. But yeah, no, it, I think it's I, yeah, I think it's trying to I think it's trying to cut down on travel. Yeah, which I mean, well, whatever. But uh, I was sweating bullets going into that, those two Miami games because you talk about Phillies in third, Cavs are in fourth. The Heat are probably in the most important spot of all, seventh. Yeah. If you end up in seventh, you have to go into that play-in tournament. Yeah. So. The fact that the Cavaliers at least won one of those games, almost got the second as well, that kind of threw that possibility away. And then when they won the two in Charlotte, you know, I can't remember how many times this year, if it's even happened ever, that they won three games out of four on the road at any point. They're only 16 and 20 away from Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse this season. So for, for them to do that, it shows a little bit more maturity, a little bit more of can-do attitude where wherewithal on the port of the team and i think that that is something that's very good going into the postseason now the other thing is that they won some of these games without jared allen their record without jared allen in the lineup last year and for most of this year was very bad yeah so for them to rise up and be able to overcome that is is significant too yeah so in fact, last game they didn't have don the mitchell either and they just put push aside Charlotte and just like blew them out like they were nobody. So, yeah. which I mean, ultimately they are, but that's that's to be able to do what you're supposed to do is great. You know, they've pretty much have a lock on. I wouldn't say an outright lock on fourth at this point. They're three games up on the Knicks, four games up on the Nets. 
it would take a pretty bad last 10, 11 games to lose out on fourth at this point. They do play Brooklyn twice. They play the Knicks once in this last stretch. So those games are going to be important too. But I'm feeling a lot more confident right now with the way the trajectory is going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they got uh, they got some good minutes last night with uh, with Mitchell and Allen out from, like I said, Mobley on the offensive end. And then Chetty Osman had, I think, 24 points last night. Um, if they can get any sort of uh, production like that out of Chetty Osman the rest of the season, um, that's going to be absolutely huge. Because the biggest thing about the, with this Cavs team is their bench has been awful this year. Just absolutely putrid. Uh, I think they rank 27th or something in bench points this year. Um, and again, I, I, in the playoffs, I get it. You, you tighten your rotation, so you're probably only going to play two or three bench guys anyway. But there's so much pressure on our starters. It's like if Donovan Mitchell and or Darius Garland have a bad night, we're screwed. To a large extent, that's been unless true. unless we're playing a team like the Hornets, where it really doesn't even matter. But I mean, when you get into the playoffs, <sighs> you're not playing any teams like the Hornets in the playoffs. No, no, and and I'm I'm not I'm not fearful of that I, Donovan Mitchell is a proven playoff performer, so I'm not I'm not worried about him. We'll have to see about the other guys because they have it. They got a little bit of a taste of it in the play-in tournament last year, <clears throat> but. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they perform in the playoffs. So getting that first round home series or home field of home court advantage in that first round is going to be paramount for the Cavs being able to move on to the second round. I think totally agree there. Uh, the Cavaliers at 28 and seven, if I'm just looking at it here, only Memphis, Denver and Milwaukee have better home records than that across the whole league. So you look at the Knicks have a better road record than the Cavs do. So do the Nets. So it really is of paramount importance to at least hold off New York and Brooklyn, get that four seed. Yeah. And I'll be feeling pretty good. And when you consider, so if you look at the bracket, yeah. with the way it's shaping up right now, Milwaukee's got a three-game lead on Boston for the number one seed. Boston's been struggling lately. So Milwaukee looking like pretty good odds to be the one seed at this point. The Cavs, three behind Philly, three behind ahead of New York. Seems like they're kind of more or less locked into the four seed, unless that they do amazing or terrible down the stretch. Yeah. So you're looking at, you know, either the Knicks or Brooklyn in round one. You're probably looking at Milwaukee in round two. And Milwaukee's a team that the Cavs have played pretty well against this season. Yeah. Does that have any bearing going into the postseason or – is it just a whole different animal at that point? And then, you know, Giannis and company are just going to take it. Is it going to be just too much for the Cavs to, to deal with? Ultimately, yeah, probably. Um, do I think the Cavs can give any of those teams a series? Sure. Um, I don't know that regular season success translates at all. I got to see how these guys do. Uh, actually in the playoffs. Like I said, Donovan Mitchell, you know what you're going to get with him. Uh, but Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen. Jared Allen to a lesser extent. I think he may have made the playoffs once or twice with the Nets. Um, but, yeah, I 
it, it's a whole different ball game in the playoffs. Uh, I fully expect Giannis and Middleton and Holiday to kick it up to another notch uh, once the playoff playoffs come. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for I mean, what it for you? What is your like when when we get down to it? What is your measure of success? My measure of success for the Cavs would be win a playoff series this year. Yeah. If they do that, it's job done. Uh, anything beyond that is definitely gravy. Because if you look at these teams, Milwaukee, Boston, even Philly, I mean, the Cavs have not played very well against Philly. But, like, these are three of the four best teams in the league we're talking about here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or three of the best five. I mean, Memphis is starting to turn it on again in the West, and Denver is obviously at the top. But, uh, I mean, if, if you're in a position where you're maybe even entertaining the thought of winning a second-round series, you could possibly make a case that they could go all the way. Because that's where the jump really is, from the first round to the second. Once you're at the second round, you're pretty much playing title contenders the rest of the way. Yeah. So I think that's, that's, a, I think that's above the Cavaliers' ceiling for this year. Uh, yeah. that's something they're going to have to work on in the future, I think. But again, win a playoff series this year, that puts you on really good footing and trajectory going into the off season. And for what you hope is going to be a run at the title, maybe even as early as next year, but certainly, uh, within the next few years. Yeah, I agree. I think the only thing that, that might leave me a little bit disappointed and I'm with you the Cavs can get a first round series win under their belts this year. Uh, I think that'll be a success. The only thing that I think will obviously leave me disappointed is if they do win that first round series and then whoever it is, we play in the second round and we just get absolutely waxed and, and like get swept or something. If that yeah, happens, that'll leave it. That'll leave a sour taste. Like, like if, like if, if you win a first round series and then you, uh, take Boston or Milwaukee, uh, to, uh, six games, and you lose a hard-fought series four to two. I'm gonna feel really good about this team going into next season. But if they if they just like get waxed, it's gonna be like okay, we won a first round series, but boy, you can tell we are not ready for that next step. That really would show just how far away you are from the true elite of the NBA. Yeah, you know, if say say for sake of argument, we're playing Milwaukee. We lose the first two games in Milwaukee. We come back to Cleveland. We come back and win game three, that would be a positive statement. Yeah. Whereas if we get blown out by 20 in game three and are down 0-3, like that, that would not look good. That would be that deflating, would yeah. Make a, like you wouldn't be passing the eye test at that point. You'd, you'd have to like make a case, okay, we got to be a little more aggressive in trying to yeah. do things in the offseason perhaps. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll see how things go. Yeah, and again, I apologize if I'm coughing uh, more than usual. Uh, again, I'm getting over COVID, so uh, apologize. Uh, yeah, I it would it would be it would be a scenario where you know the Cavs would still be considered you know that nice little young team. Like they're not ready for the big time. They're just a nice team. You know, if we just you know go out and get waxed by like a Milwaukee or a Boston, but let's worry about that when we get there. Uh, let's win that first round playoff series and uh boy 
is it going to be fun to have playoff basketball back in Cleveland again? We didn't really have. I'm, I'm not. I'm not considering. I'm not considering that one. Uh, that that uh, that that uh, play-in game against Atlanta at home last year as a playoff game. We haven't had a playoff game and since we were swept off the floor in the NBA Finals in 2018. So we need that feeling again. You know, and at the end of the LeBron 2.0 run, I was kind of critical of our fan base because it seemed like people were getting a little bit jaded. They were getting a little bit like, this is too old hat. And there was some other stuff going on that I won't get into because this is not a political podcast. Yeah. But um, it just seems like this is going to be different. This is going to be fresh. It's going to be new. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. It's be a whole group of guys. The whole city's uh, the whole city the whole city is going to really rally around. I, they already have. Um, but yeah, the whole city is going to rally around this team come playoff time, and that that building is going to be an absolute madhouse. Yeah, it's we're not going to be complaining about having to stay up till eight thirty for tip off. I don't think like no, we were in twenty eighteen. We're like, oh, we got to wait for another nine o'clock tip. Oh, this is so exhausting. Like that was our added some people's attitude in twenty eighteen. It was like, yeah, God, we might not be playing in another finals again for like decades. You yeah. don't know, like yeah, no, I so. hear you. I definitely hear you. Um, it's also is interesting not to not to totally take us off topic, but. It's uh seven forty eight and it's not pitch dark out. How about that? Daylight savings time will do that to you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. For sure. It, well that that and especially because we had snow on the ground the last couple days, it was really bright. <laughs> yeah. The snow really does reflect off the snow like you don't like we haven't had a lot of snow this winter, so it's it's easy to forget that sometimes. But yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's why they say like if you're going like skiing or something. Make sure you're wearing your sunglasses because you could be dealing with light coming from up and down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure, absolutely. Um, but uh, but yeah, so <clears throat> Cavs uh, got an important game tonight against the Sixers, as we talked about. Um, talked about the Cavs in the playoffs. Uh, with regards to and a switch, uh, you know what? I want to talk a little bit about. Uh, my trip down to Columbus and going down to the crew game. I know you've been to that new stadium too. That new stadium is just incredible. It's fantastic. It, the way it's set up, especially if you're in the upper deck, it still feels like you're almost on the field. Yeah. They, they designed it so amazingly well. Yeah. Uh, we were, we were in the, we were in the lower level and the corner over by the Nordeca and uh, boy, what, what an awesome uh, scene. You know, obviously, it's not, and it's not supposed to be, it's not college football where they're packing in 100,000 people in, like, sardines. You know, this is a 20,000-seat facility uh, for Major League Soccer, and it's, it, it is the perfect atmosphere for what that is. Um, the fans are wild. The Nordeka is crazy. The chanting, the singing, the uh, the interaction between the uh, the fans and the field and and all that. The the singing, uh, you know, uh, can't help falling in love with crew before the game and then after the game. <clears throat> Getting to do that after the game after they won was awesome. By the way, um, 
we were both goals were scored on our end in the first half right in front of the Nordeca. So that was great. Um, I cashed a bet on Lucas Zellerayan scoring the first goal, so that was nice. Um, what were the odds on that bet? I think it was plus 650. I figured it had to be at least that. If you're talking about yeah. individual guy to score first, but now I mean, Lucas Zellerayan is probably the number one guy you you bet on in that situation. Yeah. But so I, so I, yeah, I, so I actually bet, I bet him and I bet uh, Cucho Hernandez. Uh, I, I just put five bucks on each. He was like, he was like plus six hundred. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I cashed the one for like thirty five dollars profit, and I ended up losing five bucks because I, I, I tried to, I tried to make sure I won it. So I, I bet on both of the uh, guys that are most likely to score for the crew. So. Um, <laughs> but it was a great time. It was a great time down there. Obviously, not too great a time because I'm pretty sure that's where I got COVID. But um, amazing atmosphere. Uh, that area down there is awesome. Uh, and it's, listen, who owns the Columbus crew now? The Haslam family. Yep. They built a new stadium down there for the Columbus crew, and I think it was a precursor for what we're going to get up here in Cleveland. So, if you extrapolate that stadium to a size of an, what an NFL stadium would be, I think we're going to be pretty happy with what we're eventually going to get uh, for the Cleveland Browns as far as a football stadium goes. And speaking of extrapolations, <coughs> Columbus Crew won a championship in 2020. Wow. Yeah, they did. Interesting. Yeah. Hey. Just saying. Hey. Speaking of which, we're talking about ownership here. The previous owner of the Columbus crew, Anthony Precourt, who was the guy who was trying to move the crew to Austin and ultimately ended up getting an expansion franchise in Austin, Austin FC. Uh, this is a little bit of schadenfreude because we're talking about the Nordeco. We're talking about, you know, German stuff here. So here's a little bit of schadenfreude. And this will probably be the only time I ever mentioned the CONCACAF Champions League on this podcast. Oh, even though but, you want to. So... Austin FC actually did well enough to make it into that competition. For those who don't know, the CONCACAF Champions League is the North American club championship, the, our version of the UEFA Champions League from mm. Europe. And they in the round of 16, they got drawn against FC Violetta, which is a French club from Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Sure. And so Austin FC went to Haiti and lost the first leg three to nothing humiliation they come back home sucks to suck but it's not enough for them to win the series they lost the series to a team from haiti sucks to be you anthony precourt (laughs) (laughs) uh you know that you know that the uh the crew message boards and uh uh social media were loving that (laughs) so yeah so so that's a laugh (laughs) good news good news all around for uh crew fans so they dubbed that uh, Cruzmas, uh, the home opener, last, uh, last not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before. Um, and uh, it was fun. It was a good time. Uh, they they handed out uh, knitted beanie hats uh, to everybody. It was it was fun to see everybody wearing those uh, during the game. Uh, I had to begrudgingly put mine on uh, because the colors are black and yellow. So. 
I had to begrudgingly wear mine. The only reason why I wore it is because I got it for free. I would never spend a dime on anything clothing related that was black and yellow. <coughs> sorry, sorry, crew. Good morning. <coughs> Good night. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Let's touch on. Let's touch on uh, the Browns real quick, um, and then we can. I'm not sure if we had anything else to talk about. We can get out of here after this. Well, there's one very big – we're almost burying the lead as far as sports goes, but we can talk about Browns first. What are we burying? Uh, wait a minute. Do I have the music – no, I don't have the music queued up, but uh... – What is it? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what's fun? You know what's interesting is since I've been sick the last week, I haven't even looked at a bracket yet. I need to. Oh man! Well, because we got to do a bracket for the show. At the very least, at the very least, it's got to be me against you. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'll put mine up on Twitter tonight. I got no problem with that. So yeah, I'll try and fill one out and do the same. Because mm. the first game is tomorrow at noon, correct? Tomorrow at noon. I yeah. mean, the first four games are going on right now. <clears throat> Those don't count. So later tonight, we'll know the identities of the play-in game teams, which I, yeah. I don't even feel the need to have playing games but you know they do so um yeah i totally forgot it. wow thanks for <laughs> i was burying the lead wow uh last year we did a, a bracket challenge uh for lotl for a bunch of our maybe i'll set that up tonight i didn't i did not do well in that by the way that uh, was nobody did well in that last year i think the, the <laughs> whoever won i don't even remember who won that it might have been jimmy uh, whoever won that last year uh, had to have won it with like the lowest uh, amount of points ever for a winning bracket. I mean, bracket I, I think, thing, but last year was particularly brutal. I remember. I, I I think I think I was out of three to f- three of the four my three of four final four teams after the first weekend, or something crazy like that. So yeah, we're definitely gonna have to do that. Uh, I don't even know who were. The number one seeds are Houston, Alabama. Uh, I don't even know. Purdue. Purdue. And Kansas. That's right. Kansas, who got drilled in the Big Twelve championship game, and they're and they're a one seed. <coughs> so um, different when you're in a big conference, and it doesn't come down to three days like it is in the MAC and some of the smaller leagues. You know. Yeah. Uh, you're living a charmed life if you're in the Big Twelve. Is it Big Twelve? Is it tomorrow or Friday? Uh, for our local affiliates, Kent State, who won the Mid American Conference Championship, they are a 13 seed. They are taking on a four seed Indiana, and I believe yeah. they're playing at like 10 at night. Yeah, they are in the late game, 9:55 tip. Uh, out in it's in Albany, it's in Albany, New York, too, which is interesting that they'd have a game tipping that late. But these are college kids; I'm sure the, the, that's not not even late for them. Yeah. But uh, this is actually kind of interesting because it was about 20 years ago that Kent State actually had a first round game against Indiana in the tournament and beat them, and huh. that was a game that. Well, that wasn't. I think that was the year before they crashed into the Elite Eight, which oddly enough, Indiana got revenge. <laughs> round of eight that year so these are two teams that have tournament history against one another oddly enough yeah and, uh you know we'll see how kent does it's uh it's not going to be an easy task but i remember I 
got hosed on the seating a little bit, but we'll see. I remember watching that uh, that Elite Eight game with Kent State and going crazy because that was 2002. That was before either of us had any idea where we were going to college. Yeah, no, no. Uh, so we were we were rooting we were rooting for Kent State like like uh, like you know our our like our parents were alums there or something. Yeah. I remember uh, I watching that game. North, I think I was over your house. Most of the state was behind them at that point. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so, um, so my one question, my, my questions are, is there going to be a 12 seed upsetting a five? I mean, there so, always is, right? Isn't there always? I think there's a couple of good possibilities. Uh, or a 13 over a four? I do actually. I do actually think Kent, Kent State has a decent chance to beat Indiana. I do think they do. I, I think. I think Kent State is criminally underseeded. Yeah, they are underseeded. Yeah. For what they were, strength. Their strength of schedule wasn't so great, and most max schedules are not. But their RPI was good. Their schedule was good. They were yeah. playing very good basketball for most of the last month. Like I, it was really hard seeing them as a thirteen. So you know, okay, so that's one possibility. If you're looking at thirteen versus four. You got to look at okay. So the Virginia Cavaliers, yeah, national champions in in what was it, 2019? The year before that, they were six. They were one <coughs> seed, lost to a 16, which is just ridiculous. Yep. I know there's certain teams that I just look at them, and no matter what their seed it is, Arizona's another <laughs> where I I just like I'm sorry, I, they're on upset alert right from the start, and. Yep. It, in fact, this this region, I'll just talk about the South region just a little bit here because there's a bunch of these teams out there. Virginia, the four seed. Missouri, the seven seed. I swear, every single time Missouri makes a tournament, they lose first game. Yeah. Every single time. Huh. And then Arizona, it's the same thing. Like, they might win the first game because they're a two seed. They're playing Princeton. Yeah. But, like, second game, like, get out. Like, they just, they never do anything. Yeah. So, I think the Furman Paladins, 13, going up against Virginia is a four you know, you might see them in my bracket. I, I think that's very possible. Uh, the other four versus 13s, I would say Kent State's probably the next best chance. I don't see UConn losing the first round. I don't see Tennessee losing the first round. 5-12, College of Charleston, that's a scary 12 seed going up against San Diego State. I could see that happening easily. Miami Hurricanes are the five seed in the Midwest. They're having to play in the Midwest against Drake. I I think that could very well happen also. Uh, and then there's, okay, so here's, this is a fun one. You've got Duke as a 5C playing against Oral Roberts at 12. Duke does not have a good record in the tournament when they have a seed of like four or lower. They, they've lost some games against teams like Mercer, Lehigh, uh, Virginia Commonwealth. When was the last time Duke? And I could I could see Oral Roberts knocking them off too. <clears throat> when was the last time Duke won the ACC tournament and was a five? That is pretty bizarre, honestly. Right. That goes goes to show you that the ACC did not have a good season. Yeah. That their best teams are fours and fives. They're not well, ones. Well, yeah. Twos. I mean, they they beat Virginia in the ACC championship game. And Virginia's a four. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, very interesting. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to try and set up a uh, a bracket challenge and see who uh, fills theirs out before tomorrow. 
this just looking around the bracket at some other local teams here the the xavier musketeers they're always a tournament mainstay they're the number three seed in the midwest they're playing against kennesaw state in the first round that's a nooner on friday uh, actually yeah uh bunch of other local teams did not end up making the tournament. Ohio State, of course, did not make the tournament. None of the other MAC teams made it. I don't think I see any other teams from within the state. I don't think Dayton made it either. So huh. I think it's just Kent and Xavier, from what I can tell, in the bracket, which is actually kind of that's kind of a famine. Usually, you see at least three teams from inside the state, if not more than that. But uh, yeah. Interesting. Well, wasn't wasn't the greatest year for Ohio college basketball, I guess. No, I guess not. Interesting. <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, we will go ahead and fill out our brackets, and then we will uh, post them to our social media uh, site so we can kind of keep track as we go along here. Um, we will be previewing the Sweet 16 on next week's uh, LOTL, correct? Because, yeah, first mm-hmm. round Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Second round is Saturday, Sunday. That is correct. Yeah. Uh, we'll be right in front of the, the Sweet 16, which starts next Thursday. Yeah. So uh, follow along with that with us. And uh, all right. So just real quick, just a little housekeeping for the Browns. Um, I don't. I'm not really interested in getting really deep in the weeds with these uh, signings, but uh, the Browns have begun their free agent spending this off season. Uh, they signed. Uh, they signed a their first signing in free agency was a defensive end from the Houston Texans formerly of the LA Rams he actually was on the Super Bowl winning team with the Rams Uh, Obanaya Okoronkwo what was that I just said Rams oh so Obanaya Okoronkwo say that five times fast uh Defensive end, pass rusher, he's basically the guy that we are bringing in to replace Jadevian Clowney, uh, along with maybe another signing. But he is a young guy, fast, really fast. A little bit on the small side as far as the defensive end, but he had five sacks in the last six games last season playing for the uh, Texans. Um, I'm pretty excited about this signing. It's not like it's nothing over the top, but uh, I think it's a good, smart signing by the Browns. Um, they re-signed center Ethan Posich to a three-year, $18 million contract. Excuse me. Uh, I really like this deal. Uh, the Browns now, they got to have the most expensive offensive line in football. They have to. It's crazy. Um, but I actually think that this deal is, is a pretty good team de- team-friendly deal. And then just before midnight on the first day of legal tampering and free agency, they got a deal done with free agent defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson from the Minnesota Vikings. Four years, $57 million. This guy is a run-stuffing machine, uh, which is something that the Browns absolutely desperately needed. Uh, They needed size on the defensive line. They needed somebody who could make a tackle, and uh, he fits the bill. Uh, they swung and missed on Javon Hargrave. Um, he went to San Francisco for four years, $84 million, <clears throat> which is wild. Um, obviously that was pretty much everybody's number one target on the deep, on the interior of the defensive line. Um, Adam Schefter said it came down between the Browns and the 49ers. I, that 
I don't care. That doesn't, we didn't get him, so it doesn't matter to me. Um, and then Ohio State prosper, or Ohio State, former Ohio State defensive tackle Draymond Jones of the Denver Broncos goes to the Seattle Seahawks, uh, who insanely front loaded the contract, essentially took the Browns right out of it from the start. So the Browns settle on signing Dalvin Tomlinson. Again, good signing, nothing over the top, um, just plugging holes in free agency. Uh, that's what the Browns are doing. And then as we were getting ready to hit record on this uh, episode, the Browns uh, signed free safety from the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, Juan Thornhill. So I like that signing a lot as far as the Browns go. Uh, he's basically your John Johnson replacement. Um, they got him for a three-year, $21 million contract. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. That might be my favorite uh, signing that the Browns have made thus far. Thoughts? You know, I wasn't big on the Tomlinson signing. I feel like the Browns probably overpaid on that one. Yeah. But uh, you, you can't argue with the fact that the Browns need D-line help, particularly interior D-line help. Yeah. So I, it definitely addresses a need. I really hope that one ends up being a hit for the Browns. Because, again, when you talk about trying to stop the run – impose your will at the line of scrimmage yeah i feel like there were some games the browns did that this year but then there were other games where it was noticeably absent uh, most of the time it was like they didn't even have defensive tackles out there right it was it was there were some games i remember against particularly like <coughs> in that middle of the season stretch where they played buffalo and they played miami and they were just getting like blown off the field pretty much like i i just recall that they were losing games horribly in the trenches and it seemed to to gravitate back toward you know them being able to do better toward the end of the season but you know we need to find a way to not get out physical to not let games out of hand in the first two-thirds of the season before like weather and some other factors end up becoming your friend on defense uh in december but yeah it's happened two years in a row now and you know, so maybe that signing will help there. Maybe a few of the other things they did will will address other needs. Obviously, the Browns needed some help in the secondary. They needed some help elsewhere too. I'm almost coming to a point like with free agency to where I almost view it like college football recruiting. Like yeah. it's hard for me to even really or even the NFL draft for that matter, it's hard for me to really get excited about it until I actually see the results on the field. Yeah, so it's I'm, fair. I'm with reserve judgment until September. But yeah. I mean, how know. many and how many times have the Browns like been huge free agent spenders and they just still just absolutely suck? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it happens in all sports. You know, sometimes the teams that spend big – I mean, look at baseball. You know, yeah. sometimes that spend big – I mean, this year was not an example of that. You know, you had two teams in um, on the National League side, like the Phillies and the Padres, who were spending $300-plus plus million on one player, which I think is just crazy. But yet they both made the NLCS and one made the World yeah. Series. So, you know, sometimes it works out. But other times, you know, you, you have big money contracts and they just they fail spectacularly. So yeah. it's something that you have to do your homework in and you have to be really careful where you invest your money. And hopefully – Andrew Barry and yes, Jimmy Haslam have 
hopefully they've made the right calls. And I bring Haslam into there because it seems like sometimes he likes to impose his will on things. I mean, not so much like at every position, but like when you think back to like the Johnny Manziel thing, and then again, Watson, he's like, this is the guy and this is the direction we're going to go in. And all Andrew Barry and and Paul D. Podeska can do is say, okay, yes, sir. So, you know, see how this goes yeah we will see i'm 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 with you with with regards to like free agency i'm to the point now where i'm just like it doesn't matter until we start winning on the field who cares so yeah yeah right no i i'm totally there um so that is kind of where we stand i think i think as we look forward here in in free agency i think the browns are going to look at a wide receiver uh and that could be in the trade market as well it might not just be in free agency uh, I know that they are rumored to be interested in Jerry Judy from Denver. Um, if they were to somehow swing that, that would be that would be pretty big. I'm I'm very high on Jerry Judy. The only thing that's kept Jerry Judy from being um, like a like a top fifteen, top ten, top fifteen receiver in the in the NFL has been uh, he's been a little bit injury prone. But when he's on the field, he is really really good. If the Browns can figure out a way to get him from Denver. Uh, which it looks like they're probably going to trade one of their receivers, either Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton. Um, if the Browns can figure out a way to get Judy, I mean, I'd take Sutton too, but specifically Jerry Judy um, and pair him with Amari Cooper with Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think that would be awesome. It also is worth mentioning that he hasn't had the best of quarterbacking yeah. throwing the ball either. Right. So. Yeah, wide receiver is a little bit of a dependent position with regard to the quarterback, obviously. But I mean, injuries and not having good balls thrown your way, it makes it hard to really succeed. Yeah. Um, other guy who I feel like is kind of in that boat that might be available is Elijah Moore of the New York Jets. Yeah. Uh, I feel like he's Agreed. kind of in the boat where, like, you know, <clears throat> he had quarterbacking and you know had some breaks fall his way. Though he could end up being a really you know, almost star player in the league too. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's a guy the Browns might go after. Because I hear like with Aaron Rodgers possibly going to the Jets, some of the guys he's played with may end up on the Jets, and that that yeah. could they're not going to get rid of Garrett Wilson, obviously. So, right. Supposedly, you know, they, yeah, will probably be the guy who's out. Supposedly, they're gonna they're gonna uh, they're gonna officially sign Alan Lazard once uh, uh, once the Rodgers thing becomes official. So, yeah, Elijah Elijah Moore could find himself being the 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 odd man out what is with this thing with longtime green bay packers quarterbacks ending up in i don't know at the end of their career like what what is up with so 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 what's going to happen next is next year uh aaron Rodgers is going to end up with the vikings Uh, maybe yeah like Favre. (laughs) so um yeah so that's kind of where we sit with the browns uh right now um, so we'll see what happens as we move through free agency. Still a lot of players available, uh, that would be of interest to the Browns. So we'll see what they can do, but that's, that's a nice little, uh, wrap up on, uh, the first uh, couple days of legal tampering in the NFL in free agency. So anything else we got? Well, one last thing I do want to mention. The okay. World Baseball Classic is going on right now. Oh, yeah. And perhaps of interest to you, 
The Italian national team has qualified out of the group stage. They finished right. second pool A, and they will be playing a knockout round match tomorrow at the Tokyo Dome in Tokyo against Japan. Wow. So that's a big deal game. That starts, I believe, at 9 a.m. local time here. So, you know, possibly something to follow tomorrow morning. Um, yeah. As the tournament is going on here, you've got Cuba, Japan, Mexico, Venezuela, Italy, and Australia have all qualified for the knockout round. The United States is all but in, basically, if they don't lose by, like, seven runs tonight to Colombia. And then the other game is a winner-take-all match between Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico for that eighth spot. So, uh, And then the quarterfinal round will start tomorrow and go into the weekend. So uh, with the semifinals and finals taking place March 19th through the 21st, so that is going on. And if you just look at the, the quick history of this event, Japan has won this event twice. The United States has won it once, and the Dominican Republic has won it once as well. This is the huh. fifth time they've played this event. It's actually, this is the 2021 edition of this tournament. They actually was delayed by almost two years because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So Interesting. But pretty cool that Italy has gone through. I believe they're the first team from Europe to ever make a knockout round. So, huh, kind of a big deal. I think right. Netherlands is the only other team that's ever won multiple games in a group stage before. So, yeah, you think of Europe. Europe definitely not a, a baseball heavy part of the world. So, no, not at all. Um, you know, with soccer and basketball probably being your number two sport, and then there's you know other stuff going on. But yeah. Big deal for Italy. like that. Hell yeah. All righty. Well, uh, on that note, that's probably going to do it for us here on this episode of uh, Living Off the Land, episode 250. Again, apologize. Uh, I got COVID and I was sick. So we wanted this to be a big, bigger event. Uh, but, uh, you know, like I said, sometimes life uh, doesn't allow you to do that. But uh, we had fun tonight. Hope you guys did too. Thanks for listening. Um, you can follow us on social media. At Stiffs McGee. And at Daniel J. Ford. You can follow the show at the LOTL podcast. And, uh, yeah, we will be back next week uh, previewing the Sweet 16. Um, maybe some more Browns moves. Hopefully some more Cavs wins. And uh, hopefully we'll be uh, cheers in a, an actual beer of the week uh, next week. So appreciate you guys listening as always. Love you guys. And uh, we'll see you next week. See ya. Bye.